You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 186, covering Indiscretion and Rejoined with Amanda Smith. Hello, friends. It's me. And me. And me. Oh, there's three of us. Actually, there's four of us. Uh, for those of you who are aware of, of Matt's and my other podcast, uh, Sarcastic Voyage. You may have heard of it. It's not the popular one. No, this is the popular one. Oddly enough, that happen? this one with the uh, with the incredibly uh, limited appeal is the popular one. Uh, one of our unpaid voice acting players was in town to help us celebrate the fifth anniversary of that fine sketch program. Uh, and now he's sitting quietly here in the room with us. He had never seen Deep Space Nine before today, and he watched these two episodes with us. Ah, we we made him watch yeah. these two episodes. It's either that or sit we, quietly, and he's a voice actor. He doesn't want to do that. We definitely made him watch one of them. That's true. Jason, what what, what is your overall first impression of, of our of our favorite program? No, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. High praise. <laughs> High I praise. Good. I'm enjoying it. And I hope I look forward to actually. I'm uh, watching it for real. Yes. Yeah. We'll show you some good ones. Like next a time. real thing that real people do. Yeah. In fact, the the episode we did, I think, two weeks ago, would be a good jumping on point if you want it. Mm. It's, it's where Worf shows up, and like, it's the episode where they wanted to bring in the next gen fans who hadn't seen DS9 before. So it's actually a, a yeah. Really One of these episodes was sort of like the mirror universe version of that, where they were explaining everything again to the new viewers, but it wasn't good. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to that one. Uh, speaking of the mirror universe, real quick. Um, today we went and saw, we, we've done this before, but this is, uh, this was a Seattle one. Almost uh, four years ago, actually. Yeah, I, almost exactly four years ago, because we did it for the first anniversary of Sarcastic yeah. Voyage. This is a enough. legacy show. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're just going to talk about the other podcast this whole time. Mm. Um, no, the, in, here in Seattle, they did a, it was like a Star Trek in the park. They called it something else. They called it like Outdoor Trek. Tre- outdoor Trek, right. And they did a reenactment of, uh, Mirror Mirror. Mirror. Yeah. And the cool thing is they did this gender swap thing with a few of the characters. The the core three, uh, Kirk, Spock, and Bones, were all uh, played by women. Yeah, but they weren't actually, like, the characters weren't women. They no, they played, played it as like, written. Yeah, it was played completely straight. Which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Also, and, the gal they had playing Captain Kirk was awesome. Well, they did this thing where uh, the dude who was playing Marlena, the captain's woman, that's the thing. They still they maintained yep. the the gender identity of the original characters. Yeah, still the captain's woman. He was a good foot taller mm-hmm. than than Captain Kirk was, and she was so good that she played the gravitas and the presence of Captain Kirk, so that you completely believed that she had total power over this dude who was towering over. Mm-hmm. Her. Do you know anything about that, Al? N- no. In hey, light. why don't we talk Ooh, about this episode? Moving on. Yes. Also, we've all been doing the, um, the, uh, God, what's Don his name? Pardo. Don Pardo! Don voice. Pardo! So if we accidentally slip into that, I apologize in advance. This is not a planned bit. It's just, we're all very tired and punchy and everything's funny to us right also, now. Also, that's how we've been entertaining ourselves. Yeah. Con! Listen, Min. we do this to entertain you, but we have to entertain ourselves somehow. That, well, that's more important. You yeah. have to entertain yourself to be able to entertain others. Mm-hmm. So that's like saying you have to masturbate to have sex. It doesn't really make sense. No, but it is fun. It's practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just heard about a Greek philosopher who did that in public as a as an act of rebellion. So oh, good for him. Uh, so now I'm I'm thinking of of masturbation as a form of like uh, civil protest. 
And philosophy also. No, no, I won't go. Right. You, you can't see it, but Matt's making the wanky, wanky <laughs> gesture. The important thing is that you enjoyed it. Well, I'll go in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be sitting quietly, Jason. Do you need a little lube? <laughs> no word from our studio audience. <laughs> no, I wasn't saying don't interject. I'm saying masturbate more quietly. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Very nice. Welcome to the show, new listeners. <laughs> Are the new listeners gone yet? Yes. yes. I'm pretty pleased by how that shows up on the wave there. <laughs> it is fun watching us record, certainly. It's also le legitimately, I do enjoy when we're in the same location to do oh, this, yeah. though. These are always the best ones. Yeah, I think so. Um, so that said, no pressure, Matt. Why don't you f summarize indiscretion? Indiscretion. Dun, 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 dun. Kira gets a call from a shady Bajoran plot dealer that he may have found a piece of the Revenok an old Cardassian prison ship that was disappeared six years ago. Kira had a friend on that ship, and she wants to go looking for it. Unfortunately for her, it is a Cardassian ship, and the new Cardassian government wants to send a representative along. Well, that's not so terrible. Kira's worked with Cardassians before. Might be a little uncomfortable, but as long as it's not that asshole Dukat, it should be fine. So when Dukat inevitably arrives, it becomes the most awkward road trip since Sisko and Quark went to the Gamma Quadrant and ruined literally everything. Back on the station, Cassidy has good news for Ben. She's changing the stupid spelling of her stupid name to something I can actually spell. <clears throat> also, she got a sweet-ass new job on Bajor, and that means that she'll be able to live on the station. Ben is hesitant. Living on DS9? I mean, they'd basically be moving in together. It's not like the station's the size of a friggin' town or something. Cassidy is, of course, angry and storms off. Women, right, Ben? What's that about? Meanwhile, Kieran Dukat have been able to track the Ravenok to the far-off desert planet of Tatooine. There they investigate the crashed ship, and Dukat finds the remains of one of his old Bajoran mistresses. What he does not find is the remains of one of his old Bajoran bastards, Zial. He tells Kira that he's going to be forced to kill Zial if he finds her alive, putting a serious crimp on the hilarious thorn-in-the-butt scene that we all just enjoyed. Eventually, they track the survivors to the Raven of the Ravenok to a camp. They've been captured by the Breen, an alien race that we've heard a lot about over the years, but never actually seen. Yeah, so it turns out that they all look like Princess Leia's bounty hunter disguised in Jedi. Kira threatens them with a thermal detonator, and they're able to escape. Dukat finds the island and is going to murder her for the good of the Bajoran people, but then he has a change of heart and brings her home to Cardassia instead. Back on DS9, Ben realizes that long-distance relationships suck fucking ass, and if there's anything you can do to possibly be per closer to the person that you love, you fucking do it, you stupid idiot. A little bit of personal, uh... Where, where's that coming from? Yeah, I don't that's... know what you're talking about. Neither do we. Nope. At all. Mm. Nope. nope. No nope. experience there. Because we live in the same house. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it, Amanda? It is nice to live in the same house and in the same country. <laughs> I don't know why. I suddenly felt really bad about Matt. Like, this will be funny to make Matt feel... Oh, wait. No. This is a dick move. Sorry, Matt. I, I apologize. I'm going to go throw myself off something high. We're we in the basement. To, we didn't mean to, like, flute solo you. Yeah, exactly. We, we did that a couple of weeks ago. I'll my flute it. solo. Oh, no. My flute... Oh, that was just one week ago, actually. No. A uh, cu couple, of, couple of quick... Uh, points. <laughs> I like the setup of your, as long as it's not that asshole Ducat, and then he, he walks in Lenny and Squiggy style. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, Major. Except, Except uh, hello, Major is a threat. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Major. Hello, Major. What kind of idiot would come to Deep Space Nine just to interfere with my investigation? <laughs> hello, Major. Hello. Also, I brought Squiggy with me. I, I Legget Squiggy. Legget Squiggy. <laughs> <laughs> also, while I... I as the guy who's usually the guy who explains things to people, do appreciate you saying Princess Leia's bounty hunter disguised in Jedi. I think our audience would know it if you just said Bausch. 
I, think... I don't know about that. Ba- Bausch, that's a deep cut, isn't it? Like, I, I, well, I don't know. I had the action figure. I just assume everybody did. But maybe for one thing, know. I thought it was pronounced Bosch. I might be okay. So obviously... I'm Bosch. <laughs> so Hieronymus Bosch. Yes, Hieronymus Bosch. If you've got these, yes, like, uh, question from the studio audience. Isn't that the band that did Bela Lugosi's Dead? I don't know. No. Oh, wait, that's Bauhaus. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Ba- okay. Bauhaus. Right. This episode of Sarcastic Voice, or of Post-Atomic Horror, is filmed <laughs> before a live studio audience. Of one. The, of one. The nice thing is, yesterday in the car, we're like finalizing just before our uh, Sarcastic Voyage show, like what we're going to say in the host segment. I'm a little tense. And Matt, no, 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 we, we're working out some good jokes, some everything. He's like, okay, so we come out, we say, welcome, this is the Post-Atomic Horror. God damn it. Welcome, this is the Post-Atomic Horror. Jesus Christ. bitch. And I realized it's like when your mom, if if you have more than one, like if you, if, if, you're not an only child if you if they're siblings. Mm-hmm. It's that thing your mom does where they say the wrong kid's name and then they say the right kid's name. Yeah. Because we do have two podcast children. Matthew, and you're confusing them. Matthew, Mark, Paisley, Luke, get up here. Luke, John. <laughs> Would your mom Con have continued to name them all uh, after, like, biblical? Probably, was yeah. That, was that deliberate? If we had continued, well, we were sort of religious in the beginning. If we'd continued so having children, what what was what was that? If me and her had continued yeah. having children? Yeah, I think that's how that works. Yeah. Hey, let's stop talking about creepy people with children and instead talk about Gul Dukat's daughter. Oh my god. <laughs> I am the master of segues. That was actually pretty good. Pretty I know, good. and that's why I had to, to, to plant a giant flag on it so that it, I ruined it. Everybody shut the fuck up. I'm laying down a segue here, and I want everyone to tell me how good I am. I'm smoothly transitioning to our first talking oh, point. nobody's telling me how good it is? Then I'll just say how good it was. Yep. Well, listen, if there's one thing I've learned, it's no one's going to toot that horn if I don't toot it myself. Also, you got this big horn you like to work on. Yeah. Amanda. Amanda! Did you have a good thing about this episode? Um, I actually did have a good thing about this episode. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before on Deep Space Nine, but the production values in this were really good. Um, we went on location a lot. It was a good location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we still went to Rock Lobster (laughs) Cave. Rock Lobster Cave, the, the, uh, the commonly used, uh, Filming place of all Star Treks with the Rock Lobster Cave. No, no, the thing is they had a great desert location, a great sort of rocky mountainous location, Mm. and when we were in the interior of the cave, suddenly it shifted to that awful paper mache. No, there's great shots of, uh, Dukat and Kira wandering around in the desert like so much Jews, and, uh... Like so much horse without, with no name? Yeah, like so much horse without... What is it, what is it with you in that song? What is it with you in that song? What is it... Anyway... The desert itself looks awesome. Yes. The caves. Um, but, and, and it was cool seeing uh, Kira and Dukat like climbing on the sandy dunes. Yep. Like it right. looked. And just the natural lighting always works for mm-hmm. me. Like I can compl- like I'm not a lighting person. Like you do semi-professional photography and you know lighting better than I. But I still just immediately can register whether it's artificial light or, or sunlight. I think most people can. It's not like a. a I'm not claiming to have some superpower, but. It, it You're really, not God. No, I'm, I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm not Billy Mitchell either. <laughs> um, but it's it, it it just it automatically my brain says, oh, they're in a different place, and it's so much easier to buy into it being a, a an alien planet. And you mm-hmm. can get some uh, studio stuff that does look like outside. Like I've seen stuff that does a pretty good job of it. But uh, TV not on and, Star Trek. No, and not in TV in the '90s in general. That that's beyond that's their yeah. their technology. Uh, the other part of the um. Uh, the the production that I thought was good in this, and it was a subtle touch, was uh, Ziel's makeup. 
Well, yeah, because being... is this the first half Bajoran, half Cardassian we've seen? I think this is the first half Bajoran, half Cardassian we've seen. Well. <laughs> because the whole planet. This, we've, made, we've made jokes before and realized that we had no precedent for them yet yeah. about Gulducat's good of the Bajoran people and Gulducat mm-hmm. having Bajoran fever, but this, this yeah. is really where it actually starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just all processing that. Yeah, you're uh, you're giving me a look like you had more to say. I wasn't. I'm, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, go please ahead. continue um, speaking. And the thing is, it's not just Ducat. Like we find out later that a lot of these guys had. Um, well, Kira herself in the episode says a lot of uh, yeah. Cardassians took Bajoran mistresses. Right, and when we get to the spoiler section at the end of the show, there's there's some fun mm. juicy stuff coming up yeah. with the situation as well. And, yes. Um, the. Um, uh, the whole good of the the Bajoran people—that's really the first time this has come up. Where Ducat well, says that, yeah, every... he has that whole speech about how the Bajoran people are so much stronger now mm. and better. It was good because for them. of us. They believe we came in... and toughened you up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Cardassians believe in extraordinarily tough love. Right. See, the thing is, I buy that from him. I've always bought that. From... I was all I was doing it for the Bajoran people. Like he legitimately I... believes that genocide think... is tough love. Yep. Wow, Gul Dukat. He's not a nice guy, but he like he's. This is why I think he's a good villain. He genuinely thinks that well, killing a ton of these people. Look how much better they are. They are now. They're free. They got this wormhole. I helped with that. <laughs> yeah, the wormhole had had anything to do yeah. with him at all. Well, yeah, he I helped. I'm a hero. <laughs> I'm basically a hero. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying I should get a statue or anything, but you know, a plaque would be nice. Thanks, Gulducut. I mean, listen, I just you happened. Us. I just happened to have this slab of marble. If you guys wanted, I just to, happened yeah. to have this statue of myself that I would ship to you yeah. for for free. Yeah, like right. it would free be my shipping. cost. Yeah. yeah, free shipping. Cardassian Prime. You're welcome. <laughs> See, the the home world is called Cardassia Prime. Uh, right. So, like, no. that didn't sound like no, that, great wordplay until you... No, that took a sec, but it was good. No, it, re- get... it really wasn't. That, once it, that was another instance of me calling attention to it because it wasn't very good. Look cutting. at me, look at me. Look at me. I'm a good guy at my thing that I do. Yep, sure am. Showing off in front of company, that's what this is. <laughs> well, and you have so much company to show it off in front of. I mean, I'm here every week, but young Jason there. <laughs> that's him in the corner. It's him in the spotlight. <laughs> uh, What was your bad thing, Amanda? Um, my bad thing. It had something to do with Cassidy Yates. Yes, it did. Uh, I don't know. I like that Cisco's got a girlfriend. And we've said before we love like like Ben in love is adorable. Yeah, it is, and I like him relating to his son about this because Mm -hmm. at this point Jake's a lot more smooth and and I, I enjoy that. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't like Cassidy all that much. No. And in this one, it felt like she was doing a lot of that, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I get she was upset that Ben wasn't excited that she was going to move to the same town as him. But instead of having a grown-up conversation about that, she went all Keiko on him. Yeah, yeah she was taking bitch lessons from Keiko. There's uh-huh. no question about that. Correspondence lessons. Uh, she She's on Bajor doing yes. her... She's uh... on Bajor, but... Keiko can Keiko can communicate to Cassidy through the power of yelling. Right. Step one: Why men are always wrong. So it's not just Chief O'Brien. It's it's hashtag yes all men. Yes, all men. Very well, Matt. This actually sort of ties into your bad thing. So mm. let's let's talk about that. There actually, there's a scene where um, 
Um, I had a hard time picking a bad thing. I liked this episode. Yeah, this is a good episode. This was a good episode. Um, this is this is kind of nitpicky to say. Th- yeah. There's a scene with um. This is Ben and after Ben and Cassidy have had their little argument. Um, they finally stop, and she's like, fine, I won't take the job. We'll just sit here and have dinner and enjoy it, like we're doing right now. And Ben goes, Whew. And I go, really? You don't have the tact to wait a minute? Do you have any idea how much trouble that woo is going to get you into? See, I liked that. I I, I, I enjoyed that. It was because he's got a weird, like we've pointed this out before, he's got weird ways of relating to people oh, sometimes definitely. and strange. And, and it's a, it, not weird, like, what the fuck was that? But, like, just he makes him such a quirky, idiosyncratic character, mm-hmm. and I like that. And it just, it didn't feel like a, you're being a bitch. It felt like, boy, is my foot in my mouth. Like, that, that's how oh, I see, I, I didn't that. catch that at all. That's, that's just, what I thought it was. Glad, dodge that bullet. Oh. I felt no. it was, like, you're being a bitch. Like, that's, no. how, that's I, how it came it, off it felt to like, me. I thought we were going to have a good meal, and instead we're fighting. Yeah. Like, that's how I read it, but I don't know. No, I just, I that, that felt like a total dodge that bullet moment to me. Yeah. Matt. Hi. Oh, you already did your bad thing. Do I your did. good thing. Uh, Ducat fucking is awesome in this episode. <laughs> he is. The show has started this thing, and this is not really a spoiler. The show will try repeatedly to take characters that you might not be too crazy about and make you sympathize with yep. them. This it, time he'll be different. He won't pull the football away. No, nope. <laughs> This is what he does. This is what he does. He spends four years being the cackling evil face of the bad guys on DS9. That dude who shows up when the sit, when the station's falling apart to be all like, That was oh, a I'll, big moment for oh, him. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll totally help you eventually. If I don't you have become to my personal slave. And then we get to and episode... And my best friend. Friends. And then we right. get to episodes like this where you know he's talking to Kira. They have a they have a shared moment when he gets the thorn in his ass. And the thorn in his ass. If we can, Let, talk, let's yeah, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. But like you know, and he you know you feel like he actually cares about his family. Yeah. Well, um, we we have gotten that before. We yes. did get that scene between him and Ben where he was like, "I want to be home for my child's birthday," yeah. and blah blah blah. Of course, that ended up being like he was he was manipulating Ben to feel bad. Yeah, as I recall, but. But I mean, and again, like I said, you see again that respect he's got for the Jordan people. It's weird, but I genuinely think he feels that way. Yeah, I, I think he legitimately thinks of them as inferior, but he still respects them. That's the them. thing. He's like, you know, I'm helping you. It's like, I'm proud of my dog and I love my dog, yeah. but my dog is not my equal. No. No, that's exactly it, actually. Yeah, and never Thank can you. be. These yeah. Are, yeah. This is his pet race. Yeah. Yep. But look how good you're doing. Oh, my God. You... Except I don't have a secret daughter with my dog that anyone knows about anyway. <laughs> well, no, not with your dog. No, not with mine. That would be weird. That's like incest. That's <laughs> ugh, gross. But uh, Amanda's a little dog. Yeah, that's that's different. I mean, how can you resist, yeah. really? It's got that Latin rhythm. <laughs> Uh no, but you're you're right about Ducat. He's um he's he's like for a minute you almost think he's being kind of charming. Yeah, a little bit. And there's a there's a there's a scene where he's quoting a previous Kai, like yeah. like here's oh a wise Bajoran spiritual leader once said this, Narice. Have you heard this before? Well we talked about we talked about this during the episode and you said how it seemed like he was go it felt like he was you know, making shit up so he could dig through the the body. Well, he was. Right. Uh, he was talking. That was he actually was, Amanda. Yeah, well, that was, was Amanda, right? Yeah, yeah, he was uh, saying to Kira, "Hey, listen, you can't look at these bodies because in Cardassia, it is considered 
sacrilegious for you guys to look at these bodies. And I know you guys have stuff about things because I know this stuff about Bajor. And I know you don't know anything about Cardassia, so don't look that up when you get home. <laughs> See, I bought that, though. I absolutely uh, bought that. It did feel like something he made up, but but I don't know. I don't know, Major. The thing is, literally everything that comes out of his mouth could be a lie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the other part of the character. Yeah, and and it's like that with pretty much every Cardassian on this show. In fact, I'm lying right now, Major. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, um... What if you get Garrick and Dukat in a room? Well, that's what which I'm saying, one's, yeah. Which one's lying and which one's telling the truth? Yeah, you're never getting out of that no room one, if it's no that. one is telling the truth in that room. You should just close the door for that room. But that's what I'm saying. If it's if if you're setting them up as the roles in that riddle, mm-hmm. one of them always lies and one of them always lies. Yeah, then you're never getting out of that room. No, and both doors have a tiger. <laughs> the tiger or the tiger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andorian tiger. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You, it, yes, it's a blue tiger with with antennae. Yep. The tiger or the other tiger. Right. Um, so the reason I didn't want you to talk about the bee bit my bottom scene <laughs> is because that was my good thing. Oh, pardon. There's a, there's a scene where they're, they're in the fake looking cave and, and, and Dukat sits down and he's like, and, and it's, it's so over the top slapstick for a second. Yeah. Ow, there's something in my butt. I like, sat on something. Yeah. It's not funny. And then like, it is funny it's, and it's actually like a sweet little, they, like, they almost bond for a second, yeah, they, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? They play it super broad, like, to the point where I briefly considered making it my bad thing, but it really, really works. It's like, yeah. it's, they mentioned this in, on uh, Memory Alpha, like, it's a really good connection scene for the two characters, like, for all the crap they've gone through before. Well, yeah, imagine, imagine Someone a year ago. Someone door is still That funny. was still fucking funny. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's like your, you have said on the subject of comedy, sometimes that barrel is full of fish and you just have to shoot. <laughs> Shooting fish in a barrel is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> I also like his delivery on, this thing doesn't work! Right. And it wasn't the writing in that scene, because that scene is not a great, shouldn't be a great scene. No. It was all the performance. It was, it was a little bit of the writing in there, but most of it was performance. You're but, right. um, no, uh, Dukat and Kira both acting their asses. Like, Kira <laughs> laughing hysterically at... Act- acting their uh, thorn-laden asses yes. off. But, yeah. like, Kira laughing at uh, at that is just adorable. But it is, and you know that's her sense of humor. Yeah. Cardassians suffer. Yeah. That's what she finds funny. There's the nothing... Germans probably have a word for that. <laughs> probably. Cardassian Freud? Yes. No. Nope. You could do better than that. I Come don't on. think I could. Not off the top of your head, maybe, but, you, you know. Jason, we're going to workshop this one after the show. Okay. <laughs> I like having a guy in the corner yelling things. <laughs> uh, my my bad thing is, um, they're, they're, while overall I do like the chemistry between uh, Kira and Dukat, and specifically, you know, the actors, uh, uh, Nana Visitor and uh, Mark Alimo, I think it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, there is some really super cliched. He says, we're not so different. You and I are some variation on yeah. that like seven times. And like, it's ironic, isn't it? He literally says, it's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Which may be my least favorite piece of dialogue to appear in anything. And I just, I can't stand what it's. Well, the thing, we can't do the we're not so different you and I thing since Venture Brothers. That pretty much put a pin on it. Well, yeah, Venture, because Venture Brothers is very observant yeah. of genre tropes. And they said, hey. You guys do this too much. Here's a, here's a giant neon sign pointing at this. Avoid this from now on, please. Yeah, people people say that a lot to me. Yeah. I will say though that Ducat probably should have watched his six. He should have stayed frosty. Yeah. I wish we could stay frosty. 
Actually, watching his six, you're right, because his six had a uh, had a sharp object in it. Yep. It certainly did. Good point. He got too close to that sharp object. That was a giant uh, thorn sticking <laughs> out of the side of that rock. I don't, I just, I think that made it funnier. That's like finding the needle in the empty room with one needle in it. <laughs> <laughs> one giant needle. He's lucky it didn't end up uh, encapsulated in terrible looking styrofoam rocks. I'm pretty sure he just got a stalactite in his ass. <laughs> it's not a space stalactite. Or stalagmite, I can't remember. He looks at it like it's his greatest foe Yeah. and throws it on the floor. And all I can think is that thing, don't throw it on the floor. You're just going to step on it tomorrow morning. <laughs> He stumbles up in the middle of the night to pee. Ah, my foot! And then he steps on a rake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the rest of the episode. Major. Yeah. No, Ducat, you can't shoot your daughter. Please, first first sing the entire score to the HMS Pinafore. We will sail the ocean blue. <laughs> now I just want to see the Cape Fear episode of, Sim- of The Simpsons with Gold Ducat. I would so. watch that episode. Yeah, I, I probably would too. Not the elephant, Major. <laughs> Um, but overall, I like this. I like the the sort of buddy road trip. They've done that that setup before, Matt. Yeah. You mentioned it in your summary. The 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 Ben and Quark thing was yeah. where they sort of started to become not friends, but yeah. to relate to each other yeah. a little better. And when they throw Garrick together with anyone, and like mm-hmm. the show does a good job of like let's come up with a pairing of characters that feels really unnatural and work for an hour to make it feel like they formed a relationship and That's they're how great they got at that. Yeah. Brian and Julian. and Bashir, yeah. yeah. It's a great. Together. It's a because initially uh, it felt like a really bad pairing, like those two, mm. really. But it's a it's a great way to sort of get characters playing off each other. Just, just stick them in a shuttlecraft with each with each yeah. other for a couple hours. And it's such a simple principle, but like that a lot of shows do. But I can't think of Next Gen really doing that. Not and really. It doesn't really feel that cheesy either, because people do need to go to places. Mm-hmm. No, and it's super easy to contrive plot reasons for any two characters depending on what their function is to be like it's easy to say the doctor and the engineer both have to be here for some reason yeah so you know that that's that's cool and in this case it was it felt really natural because a thing that involved uh kira's terrorist cell also of course would have involved the cardassian government yeah like they they they, they're sort of interconnected by by default Mm -hmm. anything that happened a few years ago involved them both yeah so that makes sense i really loved the Back and forth of like, well, won't you need the security codes? That's standard Cardassian military stuff from six years ago. Yeah, we I had all your codes. Yeah, we're we're oh, fine. R- really? Like her just saying, yeah, I of course I know how to outsmart you guys. And while it was, it did pair both of them up. It didn't do that sort of enemy mind thing where they learned that they needed each other. No, yeah. not um, at all. What happened is Ducat learned. He needs Kira, like, a lot. Oh, yeah. In bed. Yeah, he literally would have... Wait, in bed, in did bed. you say? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And Kira is like, oh, I still can barely stand you, and I don't need you for anything. So that was kind of a nice yeah. twist. But also, she has evolved to the point where, first of all, she can share a runabout with him without wanting to strangle him. Mm-hmm. No, she still wants to. Well, but not... Without him. actually... That, that's how she's changed. Yeah. She didn't. Yeah. In season season one, Kira would have just strangled yeah. him. Mm-hmm. The end. She doesn't give a damn about strangling Oh, she still him. doesn't give a damn about things. But she actually realized the political importance yeah. of this, that he's a major... It's more, it's more important for him to be alive than... Yeah. He's... And for her to be in her station and not arrested. Right. She's becoming more political 
Right. Uh, like a more political animal. She's a yeah. more sellout. Yeah, she is. She we've, is. We've pointed yeah. that out before. She's a sellout. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's a sellout. Like no, I, that's her arc is she's the badass terrorist that ha- becomes a legitimate part of the government resulting from her actions. Yeah. And now she has to become part of the establishment. It's like that's the part of the that's the part of the movie you don't usually see after the, right. after you won the war. Now all those terrorists or freedom fighters or whatever, they have to go off and get jobs in the, in the in politics. And particularly if you're in a situation where those freedom fighters are fighting for a new government, yeah. somebody's got to be in that yeah. government and they're, they become the man. That's yeah. part of the cycle. And so, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice cycle that everyone can relate to on some level. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, most of us haven't overthrown governments. I mean, you guys wouldn't dream of that in Canada, no. you know, ever in your entire history. Oh, no. long hail the queen. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't done it in quite some time. But but to a lesser extent, like, we all have to say, put aside our stupid teenage principles. Oh, I'm never going to get a job and, and, you know, like, go to work every day. And, yeah. Well, yeah, we all you wanna... have to go and play cops on television. Right. <laughs> Take that, iced tea. <laughs> Um, All my friends are going to be laughing at me now. Oh, no, they're not. He's rich from that pyramid scheme. (laughs) I just hate alliteration that much. Uh, So we find out that Matt's Klingon restaurant is still uh, on the promenade. That was nice. Just a little throwaway scene at the beginning, but uh, Odo mentions a pickpocket outside. It was outside the the Klingon restaurant. So even with the stuff happening with the Klingons, that guy's still there. Or at least maybe he handed off his restaurant to somebody yeah. else. I hope not. I'd like to think that guy knows where his loyalties lie. But his customers. Yeah. Like it, it's like Quark's not or Rom and Nog are not all about profit. Maybe that guy's not really all about being a warrior. No, maybe he's about being a chef. He's just a Klingon he's chef. He's found the thing he loves and he wants to yeah. do it. But it's not really in line with with mainstream yeah. Klingon. It's probably easier for him to be the Klingon chef on ds9 rather than doing it on like the home oh, on a well, yeah, because he doesn't have yeah. to worry about his honor and shit all the time he can just do what he loves he can cook well and i bet it's probably legal on a klingon ship if you don't like the food to go try to kill the chef yeah and probably and, whereas there they'll just not give him a tip yeah like it's probably a lot easier for how us. much do you think wharf is bothering the klingon restaurant owner because i bet the klingon restaurant guy like makes food that's like you know how you sort of americanize oh yeah it's like tex-mex versus authentic mexican food because he wants to sell it to people so that they will come there make it make it more palatable to their bland human palates and probably like like tones it down because there's there's very few especially now there's very few clowns on the station right there's there's tensions going on and yeah and and so sales are probably pretty far down he's probably also having to sell italian food (laughs) but then you know wharf comes over he's like what is this this is not traditional you are, you you are a disgrace to your people. This gach has not been, has not been allowed to sit for three days. Or no, not you, you want it fresh. Yeah, yeah. you want you yeah. want to eat that while it's still squirming. This gach's been sitting for three days, right? <laughs> this gach has been cooked, right? That's how people like it here. I don't give a damn what they like. <laughs> oh, hi, new Kira. No one gives a damn about anything on this goddamn uh, station. Also, also, could you order me some prune juice? <laughs> oh, uh, honor. Bye. <laughs> Well, it's always nice to hear from a Klingon. I am a village. <laughs> um, All I want to do is write fanfic about that guy now. Yeah. Well, that's what we got Nate for. Yep. Nate's probably already working on that. <laughs> Talking about Worf still, because it's nice to have him back, mm-hmm. um, Kira finds out about this missing Oh, this is the first ship. ten seconds of the episode, yeah. <laughs> and he says, um, he, he says... Someone who's claiming to be your friend is on the phone. Yeah. Like, 
What what reason do they have to lie? You Dwarves? you you met Kira like a week ago. Do you do you just is this just general distrust, yeah. or do you specifically think Kira has a reason to to associate with people that would like lie like that? Or, or does Worf just not believe in friendship? Ter- your terrorist friends on the Enterprise. Yes, yeah. your terrorist friend is on the line. You know, I used to be a terrorist, right? Um, what what? Later, Odo. You know that she used to be a terrorist, right? <laughs> hey, you might want to arrest her. She's she's really suspicious. Oh, uh, here we go again. <laughs> Did you make Odo into uh, Beetlejuice? Yes. Oh, uh, here we go again. Yeah, sandworms. And of course, that just turns into Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, Quark. No women, no children. Quark. You incredible bastard. Okay, well. I yeah. know you're stealing from me. We're going to have to start wrapping this episode up. Uh, any Any further points, either of you? Um, I've got one. Uh, we see more of Busybody Dax here with the whole. I enjoy Busybody. Yeah, me too. It's because she's does not give good dating advice no. particularly, and she is all up in everybody's business. Oh, she is. She is laying it on thick with yeah. the Cassidy thing. You said what? Yeah. <laughs> and there's actually a cute scene with her and and uh, Julian mm. on one side of the table and Ben on the other, and and they're both going, and I'm just thinking. Cisco must feel really sheepish right now because he wouldn't take that shit from Julian on a, on a good day. Nope. No. But today he's like, oh, you guys I'm are right. I'm here too, Captain. Uh, I don't even like you. Poke, poke, poke. This is a very dear friend of mine who I've literally loved for more than one of his lifetimes. Mm-hmm. I don't give a damn about you. <laughs> Nobody gives a damn about Julian. <laughs> <laughs> or even Chief O'Brien. Nope. I sure don't. <laughs> but you love me, don't you, Willikins? <laughs> Uh, Matt, anything more about this episode? Uh, we got. To, I actually really wanted to take a sec for uh, for uh, Jake. As, oh yeah, uh, yeah. helping out yeah. with uh, with Ben's lonely hearts, Jake. Yeah. yeah, just suddenly like, oh no, these are the things you did wrong. Yeah, obviously. Me and Nog talked about this, and we think this is what you should have. You're done. talking about my love life with Nog. Yeah, he's very insightful. No, uh, no Jay and just yeah. Yeah, they've they've taken over some some love line stuff. Yep. So your your Ferengi friend who literally six weeks ago uh, broke up a date by yeah. asking his date to chew his food for him, mm-hmm. or yeah, uh, is now offering me advice. Yeah. Well, what? he's doing better. I like to think they have a podcast now. <laughs> My dad's love life podcast. Going like, out relationship advice for anyone. Like he found ancient recordings of Love Line or some, yeah, exactly. some show like that. And like, hey, we could do a show this like that. This is brilliant. They should just do it about Cisco too. They shouldn't yeah. do it about anyone else. And they should have Dax on as a guest to tell <laughs> embarrassing stories. Air all his dirty laundry. Yeah. And, yeah. You're listening to the Captain Cisco show with me, Jake, his son, and my friend Nog. Well, Hi. God, I bet people are interested. Oh, That's yeah. True. All of Bejor. Like, yeah. it's, the, it's the second most... Uh, uh, subscribe to podcast after Night Vale. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on Bayshore it's called Vale Night. Oh, of course. Uh, Matt, you got a quote for us? I do indeed have a quote for you. This is just funny. Captain, I would think long and hard before answering. I don't recall asking your opinion, Quark. Well, maybe you should. I mean, who knows more about women than me? Everyone. You humans. All you want to do is please your women. You want them to be your friends. But we Ferengi know better. Women are the enemy, and we treat them accordingly. The key is to never let them get the upper hand. If she says she doesn't see you enough, threaten to see her even less. If she wants more gifts, 
take back the ones you've already given her. It's all about control. What if your woman leaves you? That's what all the sweets are for. That was delightful. Right? This is You're seeing behind the magic, Jason. I, I react to the quote as if I'm listening to it right now. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that great? If that's what they took out, imagine what they left in. I'm, I'm turning Phil Hartman into Don Pardo. This is Phil Hartman. My wife killed me. You might remember me from such movies as P is for Psycho and the president's neck is missing. <laughs> All right, well, Amanda. Now that, we got, now that we got the good one out of the way. You're going to have to summarize an episode where I would say maybe a plot point happened. Yeah. I'm just going to lay on the ground instead. Nope. I mean, you can, but you can, you'll have to talk while you're doing it. Yeah, I mean... About bring, the episode that happened. I would prefer you do that. This, this is the, the tradition we've established. You picked the episode, you know. And, anyways, no, in I'm, fairness, I'm joking. There was lots going on in this one. There really? There was tons and tons of let's, things. It let's was hear like, it. It was super cute. It okay. was just like a cute character piece. Okay. It well, was... Let's, um, let's, maybe you watched a different episode than I did. Maybe I did. All right. Um, so we enter on Dax fooling Quark with some stage illusions. The rest of the episode is her introducing all of the Alpha Quadrant to magic tricks with Julian as her besequent assistant. I firmly believe that stage magic is the only original thing that smug Earthmen have brought to the galaxy. Unfortunately, Dax goes too, fo too far and forces her magic into the Gamma Quadrant. The Dominion takes offense. Get your sparkly top hats off our yard, the Federation. Jeez, again. The end. That was the whole episode. Uh, so we can start the good things, bad things now, and just keep uh, keep going. Um, Come on. No, no, no. That is not what happened. That Matt wrote not... an episode about werewolves. I sure did. Yeah, but Matt's here every single week, and he gets he gets to bug out like once out yeah. of 200 episodes. I never get to do another werewolf episode ever You're again. only here seven times in an entire series, so you don't get to do that. Yeah. But they're going to like put the Tribble back into the hat, and it'll be no Tribble at all in, in mine. That's how it's gonna Come end. On. Man, I wish you could see the look I'm giving her right now, because it is. Maybe that'll be our cover. All Why right. don't you tell us what happened in the episode, Amanda? Okay, it's like two things. Yeah, it's not a lot of uh, things. So, the that was the the two minute opening bit at the beginning. Yeah, just was sort like of the cold open character yeah. thing. It actually kind of reminded me of um, Next Gen. Because they do those great little character moments at the beginning mm -hmm. and then proceed to be super boring. That's what happened here. Um, <laughs> little song. That was kind of nice. Maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll auto tune that. Yeah, do. Um, and you can put it in Frozen. You could do a Frozen parody. Um, the rest of the episode was a tedious will they, won't they romance between Dax and another joint trill, Khan. No relation. Khan, no relation, used to be Dax's wife. We have yet another Dax episode that's about what the trills are rather than about the character Dax that we care about. Well, care, strong. Um, there are long info dump scenes. Like, we're talking like three of them in a row where it's just two people sitting around talking about what the trills are up to. Um, we learn in one of these that you aren't supposed to hook up with someone from a past trill life and that Dax will be banished if she does. Con, no relation initially decides to run away with Dax, but her creepily interested in her sex life brother convinces her not to. It was really like so much Wesley in the Dauphine. It was, which for those of you who don't remember that very forgettable episode was essentially, uh, Wesley, you have fallen in love with someone you are forbidden to fall in love with. Please stop. Okay. 
And then the he, end. And then he did. Because having no conflict is the cornerstone of drama. I, I, Jason, you're a theater major. That's correct, right? No conflict equals good drama? Yes. Okay, yeah. good. All we have it from, you know, someone who's studying theater, so, you know. Yeah. We're Starcroft's lovers, so I guess we'd better get as far away from each other as possible. Yeah. Though, the episode where the uh, the trill spots came from was a bit like that, where Picard It was, chooses... where then Riker... Oh, no, no, no. no, no Picard... That was not where trill spots came from. She just coincidentally also had spots. No, mm-hmm. but that's where the trill spot... Like, that's where the design and the trill spots came from. Oh, I suppose that's true. Oh, yeah. like, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a different Fanky type of Jansen alien. with her with... with her spots. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but... He decided that he loved honor more than right. a girl. Right. Um, no, that is that is where the conflict yeah. comes from. And forbidden love is resisting people telling you not to do yeah. it. But they but, didn't uh, resist at all. Yeah. No. Uh, it turns out Khan is a bit too much of a quitter to uh, right. follow his, her heart. Right. Khan. Khan. Yeah. Let's just get that one out of the way. Yeah. It's I'm... done now. Yeah. Now I can move on to uh, the, the, King of the Hill jokes. The thing is, I wouldn't object to that reference if you know we weren't that, sick of Khan. Yeah, if that other thing hadn't happened, if yeah. I didn't, ha- if <laughs> I don't usually laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> you gotta love this one. <laughs> oh, I'm suffering from Khan fatigue. <laughs> I am fatigued. <laughs> uh, all right, you get that one. That was pretty fucking good. The thing is, I'm usually not even that confident. Like, will this land? Well, I don't know. You, 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 yeah. That's gonna land. You picked the right room for that one. <laughs> yeah. You, your friend and your wife. Yep. And a guy that works for you. <laughs> oh, and there's dad. <laughs> you look like a jerk. <laughs> no, my dad wouldn't laugh at a joke. I made. That's ridiculous. You're a comedian. No comedian's dad would uh, nope. laugh at a joke nope. they made. This is true. Job, Al. Oh, I'm I'm a comedian. So that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. So when does that the start paying out? Yeah, that that sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. How'd your little play go? <laughs> no, he didn't even ask that. Anyway, you're doing a little play. <laughs> Is it our town? Because that's the only play that exists. <laughs> Amanda, what was your good thing? This was uh, this was hard to find something. Well, uh, you were you were correct that very little actually happened. That was the that was really that was. The, the major problem with it so there's not a lot to like because there's not a lot but um and besides the stage magic at the beginning which was pretty funny um, <laughs> and they did call back to it once when Bashir did it as well they did it was cute it like, was like the like Dax bits. taught the pull a pull a, a, a rabbit out of a Ferengi's ear watch me pull him. some latinum out of your ass <laughs> again a thorn out of your ass <laughs> right um and uh, so I'm going to go with uh, a thing that I always love in Star Trek. Uh, we got to see Dax's little gym jams. That is true. It might have been her workout clothes. Well, might which, have been. Whichever they were, they were definitely the most comfortable leisure clothes I've ever seen anyone wear. That's on. true. Yeah. The thing is, Amanda points this out more than anyone. I, I agree most of the time, but I usually tend to not notice about civilian clothes on Star Trek and how... They try way too hard to make, look, future fashion is different, and yeah. it's usually terrible. It usually just looks like extreme early 90s clothes. Right, which is why it kind of jumps out at us when they're wearing something that actually looks like clothes. Mm-hmm. It's not even that remarkable, it's just not terrible. Yeah. It's got no, a bit of a pirate neck, though, going on. A little yeah. bit, yeah. So you can see your spots. But it's got, it's got sort of great. a low, like, cut, like when, when people cut their t-shirts to make them more comfortable kind yeah. of thing. Like I, that's why I thought it was her workout clothes. Mm-hmm. That's all. Like, the, but I could see her sleeping on it too. Wow, we, we spent a full like sixty seconds talking about what Dax was wearing when she was doing some sit-ups. Yep, and yep. it's still much more interesting than anything that happened in the actual episode. Well, let's talk about it though. Really, I mean, okay. At the core of it, the idea is 
Trills, once they change hosts, they're not supposed to reassociate with people from their past yeah, lives. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, let's, right, let's do that thing. Okay. This really pissed me off. Okay. So, excuse me. Um, I don't hate I don't want to be a bother or anything here, but this entire episode hangs on the idea that Trill are not allowed to form relationships with people from their past hosts. They say that very specifically. Mm -hmm. Yet this entire series hangs on the relationship of Ben and Dax being old friends from when Dax was Curzon. Like I know that good friends and ex-spouses are kind of pretty different, but like that re you really can't do an episode where that's a taboo when you've set up your universe for the four years with this very important thing. Yeah, one of the biggest, like, most important, strongest relationships on the show is this thing you're now telling us is not allowed. And in fact, like, Dax goes to Ben for advice about this, about this thing. Because he's been so involved in her life for so long, he is the most qualified to answer the question. So inherent in their relationship is exactly the thing that, yeah. you know... There's this massive flaw in the episode that I all I can do is think about the entire time it's running, and it drives me up the friggin' wall. And it's not even, like, romantic love. Like, it's not like they're saying, okay, you can hang out with people from your past, but not people that you were in love with, because they say you're not allowed to do it with your children either. Like, yeah, you're not... yeah what they, what they, the way they explain it, the way they justify it, is the idea of the experience, the idea of, of repeated hosts, is gaining a breadth of experience. And you're supposed to sever all ties. Once the host dies, that life is over, mm -hmm. and now it's on to the next life and a new set of experiences. Right. It's it's supposed to be so. Using that like that's the logic of it, mm -hmm. and so using that logic, you're one hundred percent correct that Cisco should now no longer be a part of her life. If she was being assigned to DS Nine, she should say, "Excuse me, Starfleet, I, sorry, I can't my, work for DS Nine because my, of my, my cultural yeah. like my, my the rules of my culture say I need to be reassigned." Yeah. place. and they. Should, Respecting other cultures should say, cool, we'll send you somewhere yeah. else. And then she should say, the rules of my culture mean I need, like, a little sash, like what Worf has, <laughs> because I think they're cool. Yeah, but the, then... Uh, but I then want ribbons in my hair instead. Yeah. But then again, Starfleet would not let uh, Ensign Roe wear her earring. That's because Starfleet does not have Bajoran fever. They <laughs> do not like it. Um, the, you, you guys are right, um... And and that sort of brings me to my bad thing. Mm. There's this weird scene between her and Khan, uh, Madeline Khan. That, that'll help me. That'll help me. Flames on the side of my face, breath, heaving breaths. The thing is, I know she had a name and I don't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. We all just remember Khan because yeah. it's an easy to remember name. So I'm For just going to call her Madeline Khan. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a scene between the two of them where they're talking about how it's so easy to slip back and think of yourself as a previous host mm -hmm. it seems to me there's this huge vetting process there's this huge preparation there's this this academy you go through and all this stuff it seems like a huge part of that would be emphasizing the clean break mm -hmm. the asserting the distinction between hosts the your this life is now over and now this life it's almost like i don't want to go as far as to say brainwashing but it really is like it's like with the Vulcans, yeah. where their natural impulse is not to be unemotional and logical, but they train themselves into it. Right. It seems like the Trill should be doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, right. What I was thinking was like a like a boot camp type scenario where you are go you go through a very intense training period where you are, you know, trained repeatedly to think a certain way. To the, you, you don't call that a gun. It's not a gun. This is your weapon, mm -hmm. like or your rifle or what you know, whatever. Like it's a different. It's a different way to think, and they should be training you. You never revert back to another host. Your yeah. life is over, period. And it just it felt like so that's something something that should never happen. Yeah. 
and if it is something that does happen, it should be perverse. Like they should see it if the if in the culture it's supposed to be something that's perverse and terrible. When they start slipping, they shouldn't be like, "Oh, it's so easy. This is such a social faux pas." To right. Do this. No, they should they, be. They should be like, "Oh ugh. God, that's that's terrible. We need to not be near each other because this is causing me to do something that is abhorrent to yeah. me." Yeah. Right. Well, and the thing is, we have the people around Madeline Kahn doing that. Um, we have her uh, first, the older guy, and the vibe I got at first is, "Oh, the older guy is intolerant, but the younger guy's cool." And then I realized, because I guess I missed the setup the first time, that the younger guy is her brother. Yeah. And he eventually gets judgy as well. Mm-hmm. But at first it felt like, oh, I don't approve of these young shenanigans. Oh, oh relax, old man. Think times have changed. But no, that wasn't. They have not changed. No. Also, there was a weird scene where he deliberately went with them to be, the, the old man did, to be their chaperone, just yeah. to make sure everything was cool. And then he was in there for like two minutes and he was like, oh, time to I got to go, go get over. something out of my quarters. Why set it up? Like, yeah. why even set it up? Yeah. I don't think that's as weird as the other guy poking his head <laughs> sinisterly through the... the uh... That was the same guy. That was the was old the guy, same guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, was a, there was an act break which where it was Dax and Khan sharing a tender moment, and then the camera pans up mm. because we got that nice two layers of quarks. They use that a lot. Yeah. And above them is the old man eavesdropping through some slats yeah, it's like he's looking through a pair of curtains like so much uh so much gossipy old bitty <laughs> gladys kravitz yeah. what's happening out there i think she's a witch <laughs> listening to the wall with a glass yeah yeah <laughs> um okay so really let's let's talk about the thing that amanda was trying not to like she she really doesn't want to be the chest pounding like yeah, Star Trek won't talk about the gay issue thing, but but really, we can't talk about this episode and not yeah touch on it. It's it is this was this was actually the first uh, like lesbian kiss on. A t- I believe so. I don't, I don't think want that it was. to. Okay, I I don't want it, like there was something remarkable about it, like something superlative, it was but I don't an early lesbian mm. kiss. Yeah, and yeah, I remember it was a huge deal. I was watching in real time at this point. It was yeah. a huge deal in like '95. Mm-hmm. Like oh, two women. Well, they they, t- they a... talk about how how. Like the amount of, of uh, hate mail they got on uh, Memory Alpha, which things are a little different now because uh, when Razor came out, the Battlestar Galactica miniseries <laughs> movie, uh, Quizno used that as an advertising. <laughs> oh god, it's official! Helena Kane and what, what's her name? Uh, Six are lovers. Brought, brought to you by, by Quiznos. Mm-mm, toasty. <laughs> <laughs> so things are a little things are a little different and now. And they followed yeah. up with that We Love the Subs commercial. And that was like five years ago. Yeah. Like, it's it's changed even more since then, I would say. Mm. But yeah, at the time, it was a big deal. And I, do, I don't know. We, we disagree on this. Mm. But I don't think the subtext of the episode was dealing with the forbidden love between two women. I think the episode actually did a pretty decent job of establishing that that wasn't the issue, that people were okay with that part of it. It's just the, the forbidden taboo. Like, I didn't really read it as a as a metaphor for the... I thought that this was a black on one half, white on the other. Wait, you thought it was that apparent? Yeah, I thought I it was that... I don't think I'd go that far. I thought it was that kind of an... Not necessarily that apparent, but I was going to say, because that's of, like a... That kind of an episode where you're putting... Uh, you're mapping on top of the... Uh, the thing you're actually talking about mm-hmm. with the sci-fi thing. So instead I, of them saying, oh, it's so weird that two women are hooking up, they're saying, oh, it's so weird that these two trill are hooking up. So they could explore that. But I don't think that it was, if that was the intent, it did. It, it, it's just, it feels like 
you don't make a metaphor that contains symbolism of the thing you're talking about. If if it's supposed to be a metaphor for two women hooking up, you don't use a metaphor of two women hooking up to talk about that. You don't no, understand you, what I mean? If that was the case, they would they would have made Con uh, a man, right? And just it would have just been about the forbidden love, the forbidden of, yeah. love of or the 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 trill taboo. You know? I just took it as it's circumstantial that right now both of them happen to be women, yeah. and it could just as easily have been. A man and a woman. It couldn't be two men because that just never happens. No. Nope. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just took it as right now both of us happen to be women, and this is where we yeah. are in our lives right now. And like, and there's a great line from Kira where she just where she's just like, I don't understand why they why two people who are married don't just go straight back into the relationship again. She doesn't give a shit that they're both women. Yeah, and it's probably you pointed out the first time Star Trek has just openly said like a character has openly said what's the difference with yeah. these two characters who are the same sex hookup. And yeah. it was well, nice. The last time to have. this came up, it was with uh, Bever and the Trill mm-hmm. when it turned out that the trill turned into a lady she was no longer interested right which is another thing which your read on that was that beverly didn't want to hook up with a woman right. i, was, I yeah. thought it was what the character said and what i actually believed at face value i, I i'm probably assuming like I'm, I'm trying to believe the best i guess is what it mm. is which is not usually my move but especially not with bever no <laughs> But I honestly took it at face value where she said, I can't handle all the changes, and I thought that's what that was about. Yeah, see, I still even, it's been like a year or two yeah. now, and I still say she just didn't want to have sex with a woman. That that could be. But, but she didn't say at that point, it's not because you're a woman. Yeah, that's no, she true. was just looking for excuses. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't right. say at that point, I am not interested in being with a woman. But she also didn't say, I'm, I don't care that you're a woman, I care that I can't handle the change. Mm-hmm. Right. I... The thing is, okay, so if I'm right and it's not really about that, to my, my my read on it was this is just an exploration of tro- of trill society. This is like this is like uh, a mock time was for Spock. This is just let's take a situation that help that gives us an angle on what this alien culture does. That's how I read it. Mm. If you guys are right, do you feel like it actually makes any kind of a comment, any kind of a statement on like, positive or negative well, on I, the issue they're trying to address? I think the end is supposed to be tragic, like, where uh, it's sad that society is keeping these two lovers apart. Yeah, people apart. who are in love yeah. apart. But it doesn't do a very great Not job really. of that. Like, that was done better in uh, the one where Riker's with the androgynous. Right. Uh, well, because then they've got that tragic ending. It's not, yeah. just that, it's not just that she decided she she just decided no. Right, like that's one of my big problems with the with con, with this con chick is that she just wants. At the end of the day, she's just not interested in pursuing the relationship. You know. Well, the thing the thing about their relationship that makes it unique mm. is that they were married. Dax's host at the time was a pilot and died. Mm-hmm. It's not like they did divorced or broke up. It's like they were very much in love and their relationship ended due to tragic circumstances. And you know. Now they're getting a do-over. Right. And that, like, that's very different than, you know, if someone broke up and then tried to get back together. It's like, no, we were, like, it interrupted us when we were at a good place, and that's not cool. And so that's why it's meant to be tragic. Yeah, I I, I don't know that I pulled it off, is what I'm saying. That's the thing is... It doesn't feel like, there's, like, it doesn't feel like there's any tragedy there. Right. No, I mean, I know Dax is sad because Dax says she's sad, but it, <laughs> we, we don't... You can't just have characters saying what they think. That, <laughs> that makes, makes me angry. Mad. But it it does... Um, We have the whole, well, I've never seen this character before. I'm never going to see them again, yeah. and they're in love. Mm. I mean, there's a little bit more there because they were in love previously, but 
it, it's hard to well, you, sell a love story in such a short amount of time. Yeah, even we've though, said that repeatedly through all the series. Yeah. Is the episodic two, and that's the advantage you have on DS9 with such a huge ensemble, mm-hmm. is you can play out a long love story. Like, regardless of how you feel about Cassidy, I'm buying this slow courtship. Yeah. They've hit a certain point in their relationship, and it's going to evolve over time, and it's not just happening in 47 minutes. No, we've definitely watched that relationship grow to where it is now. And, right. and grow the, uh, organically. And the love story of Julian and Garrick, of course. Yes. And, and, and the Julian. parallel love story of Julian and O'Brien. Right. So when did Garrick and O'Brien fight for Julian's hand? It hasn't happened yet. Right. We, we'll, we'll, save that for, yeah, we'll save that for the spoiler section, you know. The episode where they go down to Vulcan <laughs> with the traditional Vulcan fighting implements. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know if you guys heard when we were doing the Trek in the Park thing. I keep mm. wanting to call it Trek in the Park, which is like the official name of a different yeah. troop, so I shouldn't call it that. No, it's Trek Outdoors. Yeah, actually, I think it's Outdoors Trek. Outdoors I, Trek. Yeah. Um, regardless, uh, the, they said uh, next time we want to do one of three, like donate to one of these three jars to, yeah. to vote for which like episode you want us to do us next which mm. which i thought was a clever thing to do anyway yeah but when they said um uh one of them is uh spock going home a mock time i heard a couple of people in the crowd go that was fantastic i can't help it yeah um so did we touch on your bad thing amanda my bad thing we've sort of been dancing around it already but um i'm the last person to say Oh, we need some deadly danger in this plot. But this was really not enough. It yeah. needed it needed a B plot. It didn't go too far no. enough. It didn't go too far enough. And I mean, if you're going to try and sell a love story in one episode, it's probably actually a good idea to give it the full episode without a lot of other stuff going on. But it, eh. Okay, but let, let's let's come back to that real quick. Have we ever seen them do I feel like there was one example not too long ago. Where they, they actually sold us the love story in 47 minutes that I they can't did, remember what it was. I can't think was. of what it was, but you're right. Yeah, it has happened before, but it is very difficult. Yeah. They, they tried it 10 times and they got it right once. Yeah. Well, you know, the one we were, like we were just talking about with Picard and the... Um, yeah, but that wasn't exactly a love story. The... the Vosh. Uh, uh, Vosh, okay. Yeah. I could see Vosh, yeah. yeah. but that was like a vacation... Uh, that was like a vacation yeah. fling that I bought because he uh, was on Picard's, vacation. Picard's uh, flute solo girlfriend. That's true. Yep. Okay, so basically, if it's Picard, <laughs> yeah, if it's it works. Picard, it works. Yeah. Um, I think we've done one. It feels like we've done one recently, yeah. like since we started doing DS Nine, but I cannot remember what it was. It just, but again, I can think of like ten Matt times the Kai amount win. of examples. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Oh, another another quick diversion here. Um, a, a listener, uh, took us up on our ridiculously imagined "What if Kai Win had Gowron's big bug eyes." <laughs> And did a quick Photoshop. By his own admission, this was a very quick thing he dashed off, like in paint at work. Like yeah. it's it's not a it's not a like a, a polished job, but you still get the point, and it's still creepy as hell. Yep. Uh, check out our Tumblr, poststomachhorror.tumblr.com, if you want to see this guy's work. It yeah. It's it just it is nightmare inducing. View at your nothing. own risk. And really, like what what is better than us imagining a horror and someone making that horror? A reality? That's all I ever wanted from this show. That's that's what this life is all yep. about, man. Uh, so Matt, what was your good thing? What was my good thing? I do, and I touched on this briefly before, I like Dax and Ben's friendship a hell of a lot. Oh, yeah, we come back to that a lot. There's a nice little scene in here where she goes to him for advice on what she should do, and he gives it to her, and she doesn't want it. And then he sort of convinces her that this is is exactly what you asked me for. You know this is fucked up. 
Yeah, but then he comes around yeah. to her side. Like I that there's a nice arc to that scene where yeah. And, and I believe it. It's a natural progression. Absolutely. It's not like suddenly the writers decided, okay, there's a minute left. He's yeah. got to change. Like, it was so natural no, like, where she won him over. Whatever you're, wh- wh- however this turns out, I'll stand by you. Yeah, look, you want to you, you wanna do this? That's that's fine with me. I'm Captain Cisco, And he wants her to be happy yeah. because right. they are friends. This is, yes. um, that is one of the things that I do remember loving about the Dax character that is true and it's true both ways in (laughs) that relationship she wants things for him that makes him happy and you know vice versa i love their friendship and you don't see a lot of um male female -female. platonic no yeah it's one of the things i I loved about the x-files for a while Mm. because you can have that yes Mm -hmm. some of my best friends are women (laughs) one of them's in this room right now well no we're not friends she's made it very clear we're not friends you're not a woman Matt, you're my friend. Yeah, I know, right? Thank yeah. you. I'm a woman. Um, always <laughs> nice to hear from a woman. Uh, my good thing was, there's this, okay, it's very sort of farce-ish. It's very broad comedy scene. Again, two episodes in a row where it's there's where, like a really where broad Dax comedy. Sits on a thorn and... Yeah. Did you get uh, did you get bopped on the head and now you like all vaudevillian broad comedy? Possibly by a clown hammer. <laughs> I think it's what I like is both times we're interrupting a potentially deep, serious character moment with it i think it works best there instead of the way star trek often does broad comedy which is wah 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 look at quark ha, ha, ha. Oh, but it's like a bucket of water right on his head whether or not you buy into the actual drama of their relationship the, the fact is there is drama there there yeah. is tension it's the first time they've spoken we've we've set up the stakes they don't really pay off but we don't know that yet and they're both meeting each other at this official function and they're like, God, what do we do? I don't know. Everyone's looking at us. And they turn around, and it's this great, everyone's looking at them for a split second, and everyone turns away, <laughs> which in itself is funny. What I found funny, and I don't know if it was, in- I liked, I think it was intentional. If it was, it was brilliant. Like, that's brilliant directing. There's like seven people in frame. Everyone looks away except Julian, <laughs> who's still <laughs> deliberately staring, mm-hmm. doesn't care that she knows, wants her to know, mm-hmm. and is like, oh, so the shoe's only at a foot now. You're my friend. <laughs> You're having lady troubles. I can help. I it's can't just help. she's done this to him so many times. <laughs> like, like with the uh, interrupting his trying to get with the Dabo girl yep. and the go away pad, and like, like this has happened a bunch of times. And it's the first time he's been in. They have this great playful relationship. It's another example of Dax having a nice uh, platonic relationship yeah. with a dude. Only in this case, he wants to hook up with yeah. her, and she's just kind of keeping him at arm's length. Now that we've we've kind of gotten beyond that, it's better, because we don't really, it doesn't come up so much anymore. Yeah, but the thing is, if he was offered a chance, he'd still go for it. In a goddamn second. Yeah, he's still pining, I know it. For the fjords. Pining for the fjords. What kind of talk is that? (laughs) Um... But it, it was it was a great moment, and I like to think it was an acting choice on on Alexander Siddig's part, on Joe America's part. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it could have been a directing choice. Mm-hmm. But either way, it was I, I, it was a nice moment that I don't think you guys caught either. Like I just happened not to until say, you mentioned. Look it, at yeah. that, and you're like, whoa, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's honestly all I have. Like yeah. I, I I don't have anything else about this episode. What about you guys? Uh, Dax has been more Daxy. That's um, true. Yeah, that, well, playful Dax yeah. and the, the magic stuff and the. Like I didn't like this episode very much. I thought it was kind of boring, mm-hmm. but. Um, the previous episode and a couple of ones before this, this is more like what I remember where it's sort of a playful trickster character. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Who isn't just wishing she was dead. Right. 
No, that that's always wishing nice. someone would kill her. Yeah, no, oh, no, right, it's right, it's right. usually not doing anything to stop someone yeah. killing her. Is is usually the move. All right, Matt. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's everything. Very well, Amanda. Do you have a quote? I do. It goes here. I think Mr. Worf is less than enthusiastic about heading a research mission. It's not exactly what every Klingon dreams about. What do Klingons dream about? Things that would send cold chills down your spine and wake you in the middle of the night. No, no, it is better you do not know. Excuse me. I can never tell when he's joking. Don't say it goes thusly or we'll get yelled at in, in Irish. I, I didn't. Good. Very well. Nice job. Yes. Nice job. Lorraine Newman. I can't hold back anymore. All right. Uh, so that is our show for this week. Um, as I said, our website, as ever, is postatomichorror.com. The email address, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, the Tumblr, Tumblr the Tumblr, I just mentioned. You, you're sensing a theme here? Yeah. The, there's, there's a theme here. Next week, no guest. Uh, an episode I am not particularly fond of, and I guess Matt actually likes, but we will see. What are we looking at? Uh, oh, nice, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we expect a little uh, little tension over that mm-hmm. one. Um, and for those of you uh, who don't want spoilers, the show is now over for you. You are free. Go. Go with God. Now, for those of you who uh, who know what's going to happen next, oh, do we come, even have come, anything come for these join people us. this time? Join us behind the black curtain. I don't even know that there's a lot to, to say this time. Oh, uh, there's the, the... I mean, there's certainly nothing in the second episode. Oh, 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 oh. But, the, the uh, idea that Zial is going to hook up with Garrick someday. Yeah, oh, oh my god, that's so, like, she's so young in this episode. She's she's not, though. They end up, like, really? like helping that along, because that was my first thought, too. She looks 12. Yeah, they yeah. make her out to be She's, like, early young. 20s. Really? And, and, yeah, I mean, Garrick's, like, probably 40 or something, so it's not... That's disgusting. How, what, how much difference is there between us? A disgusting amount. Okay, fair enough. Shame no, but it's both just, of you. I just, I love, and really there's no foreshadowing. I'm sure they didn't know it at this point. No. I just, I no. love that, that payoff mm-hmm. is just one of my favorite things. Like, I almost feel like Garrick is still the, the very much the homosexual gentleman we portray him to be. And he's just doing this out of spite. Oh, absolutely. I don't believe for a second that he hooks up with her because he likes her. But he's on the other sticking hand. sticking it to Ducat's daughter. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, it's possible he's bisexual. Yeah. There's no chance he is completely straight. No. We're all agreed on that. No. No, 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 no. no. And even Amanda, who insists there's no gay people in Star Trek, has to acknowledge that Garrick is, is gay. I, I do. I, there's I, no I... gay people in Starfleet. You can, you can, <laughs> you can keep your argument that way. Mm. Right. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Anything? <laughs> not really. Um, no, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of... There wasn't a lot of deep continuity no. stuff. There wasn't a lot of stuff that, no, that sets things a, up for later. These were both sort of standalone high. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. That is all, Matt. Say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.